0: Well, good morning, fellowship. Will you stand with us as we worship our king this morning? We're here in the Father's house. We're celebrating all the different spiritual rhythms that we've been focusing on uh, this week. So uh, be welcomed in. Let's focus on him. This journey, I get lost in my mistakes. What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. My story isn't over, my story's just begun. Failure won't define me, that's what my father does. Failure won't define me, that's what my Lay your burdens down, ooh. Here in the Father's house, check your shame at the door. did in welcome. When the story isn't over If the story isn't good Failure's never final When the Father's in Failure's never final
1: Good morning. You can have a seat. It is good to be with you again this morning, to see your faces, hear your voices as we gather in this Sabbath rhythm of worship each week together. It's so good. Hey, if you are new with us, well, actually, let me tell you my name. My name is Seth, and I, I get that privilege of leading you guys in this, in this rhythm of worship Most weeks, uh, and for that, I'm really, really grateful. Um, If you're new with us, we hope that you feel so welcome, that when you came in through the doors, you were welcomed uh, maybe by the people that are sitting around you, right, Fellowship Benville? We're welcoming the people, the new people. Um, Also, right after this service, this week, we have a newcomers gathering in the building that is closest to the street. And you just go in the double doors that are facing the street, up the stairs, and the great room is right on your left. You can't miss it. And you can find out more information about Fellowship Bentonville. Um, one, that's that slide. I'm in charge of this this morning. I'm not used to it. Uh, so let's move forward. Uh, one last opportunity I want to to make known to you guys. Um, women, we have a gathering for you this Tuesday evening in the FSM room as well, and uh, it'll be a time of worship and a preview of the studies that are coming up this fall and all that women's ministry is about, and so make sure to check that out. All right, last thing uh, before we get going, we have communion this morning, so you should have been handed one of these little prepackaged dealios on your way in, but if you snuck by the guards and uh, you didn't get one just raise your hand, and they'll be happy to bring it to you. And don't be bashful. Go ahead and do it, and we'll, we'll toss them to you like the home of the throat roll. Do you guys remember that place? Um, we'll get you to we'll that. So, well, this morning, is it's going to be a little bit different this morning. Instead of our normal liturgy of some songs, an extended teaching time, and a response time, we're going to take the opportunity this morning in our last uh, time together in the rhythm series to do a bit of review and a bit of practice together to try to like seal the knowledge that we've, that we've learned this summer uh, for us. And so we're going to be led by a few different guides this morning that are just going to kind of keep us moving along and help us practice a few disciplines together. And so the, we're going to use a passage of scripture to walk through that's very familiar, and you, you've probably heard it many times. You may have seen it embroidered on a pillow or pasted onto a coffee mug. Or maybe you've even seen it inset in a beautiful picturesque landscape on your social media feed. Uh, any guesses? Any guesses? It's a psalm. S-s- oh, there it is, they're quoting it, Psalm 23. Psalm 23, we're gonna walk through that this morning and what I, what I want to, sh- to show you and what I hope we will find is that if you can get beyond all the pretty words and the things that may feel like they're just not even really connected to your real life, what we will find is actually maybe the best picture in all of scripture of what life and rhythm with God looks like. And so this psalm depicts life with God as the good shepherd, and it begins with this verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. I have all that I need. What an incredible promise. What a great life, huh? It's contingent upon that first phrase, though. The Lord is my shepherd. I have made the Lord my shepherd. Jesus says in John 10 that he is the good shepherd. And so this life without lack is for those who look to Jesus as their shepherd, who say, I want to follow you. And they look to Jesus for their care, for their provision, for their security, for their comfort, for guidance. Those are the people that get to live that life And so, uh, what I want to get down to before we begin to walk through the passage this morning is a a really foundational issue. Uh, See, because I think that many of us don't really engage in this with God abiding life because because of our false views of what God is like. Dallas Willard says, uh, the single most important thing about us is our idea of God and its associated images. And if we get real for a minute, many of us in this room, no matter what we would say, we have deep down, we have a negative view of God, a very negative view. A God who's out to get us. Or maybe a God that doesn't care about us. Or maybe he doesn't even know our name. And these pictures of God that we have are often formed in the deepest parts of our, of our history, of our story, in our pain. Where were you, God? Where were you when my spouse walked out on me? Where were you when my parents neglected me as a child? When I was abused? When I was betrayed? When my business went down the tube? Where were you, God? Where were you? And so our image, our picture of God gets formed by our pain. But here's the good news. Here's the really good news of the gospel. God has come to us in Jesus Christ and has given to us a picture of what he's really like. When we look at Jesus, we get a glimpse of the true heart of the Father. But we have a choice. And it's a fundamental choice. We can look at God through the eyes of our pain or through the lens of Jesus. When I begin to see through the lens of Jesus, I begin to see that God actually knows my name. He's familiar with my pain. He's acquainted with my grief. And I'm loved with a relentless love that will never, ever give up on me. So this morning, as we walk through this passage, I want to invite you to keep that in mind. What really is my picture of God? What do I really believe about him? And so to begin, I want to just simply read the psalm in its entirety. And I want you to listen for the progression. Imagine the various scenes and put yourself in the place of its author. And finally, always, always, always in the service, as you're reading the word, just really always in your everyday life, listen for what God might want to say to you personally through his word. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you,
0: As we sing this next song, we still have some people coming in and trying to find seats. So if you can scoot to the middle, uh, make the sides available. That'd be great if you've got room in your aisle.
2: Y'all can take a seat. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I can't even begin to count all the times I don't actually believe this statement. The hurried life, the anxiety, the calendar within my relationships. Good morning, we're going there very quickly into the deep stuff of the heart. I, I can't even begin to count all the times I don't believe that statement, that the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. It's the lack that I get caught up on. It happens for me in work where, funny enough, it's my job to be dependent on the Lord, for him to be my good shepherd in everything we do within student ministry. I feel it within my marriage. I feel it trying to raise our daughter. I feel it with my calendar, with my schedule. And maybe you're a little bit like me. You feel as if you lack the skills necessary to do the job that you do or you feel as if you lack the presence needed to be the friend you wanna be, or you lack the patience or the love necessary to love your spouse the way you would like to love your spouse. Maybe your teenager throws you a curveball question and you are acutely aware of your lack. You don't know how to answer. Maybe it's deeper. You feel the lack of presence or peace with God in your life. You feel lack of, of the pace Necessary to live the life you want to live. Maybe you even feel a lack within your soul. Within your very relationship to Jesus. But there's good news. In the economy of scarcity that we default to most often, God promises abundance. And that's the good news. In John 10.10, we read Jesus' words that the thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. In Matthew 6, we learn to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first and all the other things will be given to us as well. In Philippians 4, we learn the abundance of God's glorious riches for us in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2 tells us that God is rich in mercy and grace, not frugal with it, not withholding. So how do we get that abundant, that lacking in nothing type of life out of our Sunday morning talk And into our lived experience with Jesus. Well, in typical Jesus fashion, it's a reversal of what we may first think. And in looking back at our rhythms, uh, we see that we intentionally create less or practice lack of something to seek first the kingdom of God. We're talking rhythms like silence or solitude or fasting. We're intentionally practicing lack of something to seek first the kingdom of God. In silence, we create space for a lack of noise to listen to the Holy Spirit. In solitude, we step away from people and doing for a moment to get time with Jesus alone. In simplicity, we declutter, detangle, or dethrone all the things that like to rule our life. And in fasting, we intentionally create hunger or the lack of food to remember that man does not live on bread alone, but the very words that come from the mouth of God. It's only then, by recognizing our spiritual lack through our physical lack, that we can begin to trust the rest of the words written about our good shepherd. So, read this. Let me read this for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside quiet waters, He refreshes my soul. He makes me lie down. In silence and in solitude, he leads me in simplicity to quiet waters. He fills me, restores me as he refreshes my soul, the truest thing that we all hunger for. So let's take just a few minutes to practice this together as a church family, to be led by the good shepherd together as these words are our guide as we spend some time in silence contemplating our very real lacks, and we all have them, and I think most of us are, are pretty aware of them. And I want to I spend some time just pondering the shepherd's goodness. How has he shown you his care? Allow yourself to imagine what good things he may want to give you, his beloved sheep. So if you will, um, go ahead and close your eyes and sit up straight in your chair and... Um, open your hands, palm up. And this is just a posture that, that helps me um, feel as if I'm releasing the lack that I, that I want to hold on to or, or, or the fear of whatever that lack is. And it's also helping me uh, with readiness receive all that the good shepherd wants to give us. And so we're gonna sit in a moment of silence. Um, it may feel a little long and that's okay. That may be... Uh, the only time this week that you get a little long moment of silence. And so let's sit here, contemplate the goodness of the good shepherd, release the lack, and receive all that he wants to give.
3: Thank you.
4: Psalm 23, starting in verse 3. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Well, while practices of silence and solitude can be seen as acts of releasing, the practices of study, meditation, and prayer can be seen as acts of receiving. And we, myself included, can get so caught up in coming to Scripture, His Word, in order to study and dissect and analyze that we forget that scripture, his word, is a holy place, a place where we come to meet God, a place where we come to connect with God. So, here, for the next few minutes, I want us to take some time to connect with God. And as we enter into this holy place, as we connect with God, the posture that we should take is Lord, I'm here. What do you want to say to me? Lord, I'm here. What do you want to say to me? And the way we're going to do this is through a time of guided prayer. Scripture teaches us how to pray, and so we're going to look to Jesus himself to guide us through this prayer. Psalm 23 talks about a time when we're in the darkest and deepest of valleys, and that even in that place, we can come to meet God, that God is still there with us. And I couldn't think of a more darker valley in scripture than Matthew 26. When Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see him pray to God the Father. This was the night that Jesus found out that he was betrayed, and God the Son comes to God the Father in prayer as he's anticipating his excruciating journey to the cross. And this dialogue between Jesus and the Father has become one of my absolute favorites in all of scripture. And over the past couple of years, as I've been participating in this prayer practice, I have learned how to connect with God even more. My prayer life has been transformed, and it's my hope that the same can be said for you guys this morning too. So throughout this guided prayer, I invite you to close your eyes the whole time. Don't worry, I'm going to guide you and pace you through the whole thing. But if it's best for you, you can write out your prayer conversation, maybe in a journal. The prompts are going to be on the screen. So if you get lost at any time during this, you can look there. And the pace in which I guide you, for some, may feel like not enough time, like you could sit in this space for hours, and for others, it may feel like eternity to you. And that is okay. Wherever you land, welcome. I'm really glad that you're here. So let's begin. I invite you to close your eyes, to get in a comfortable position, to place both feet on the ground, and to just take a couple minutes or, sorry, a few seconds to ground yourself in the present moment. Take a few deep breaths right here. The first thing is that I want you to tell God how you feel. In Gethsemane, Jesus. Came to God the Father in a moment when he was feeling, quote, overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus himself was not afraid to tell God the Father how he felt, and neither should we. So, how are you feeling in this moment? Be honest. No script needed here, no filter. God is not afraid of your honesty. Are you feeling angry, lonely? Maybe this is a season of joy and contentment, or maybe you're just so overwhelmed right now. But I want you to take a moment and tell God exactly how you feel. Your desires. The second thing that Jesus did was he gave the Father his desires. Quote, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Even Jesus asked the Father to lead him down a different path, to change his story, to make another way. So, what do you want in this season? Is there something you think God is maybe withholding from you? A prayer unanswered. Just take a moment and tell God what you desire. Even if it's for the hundredth time, allow him to meet you in that space of longing. Give God your trust. The last thing Jesus did in his prayer was he fully surrendered to the Father's will. Quote, yet not as I will, but as you will. So take a moment and release the illusion of control that you have over your life. Saying, God, God, Not my will, but your will be done in my life. So take a moment. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed to the Father, and he did these three things. One, he came to the Father completely unfiltered and told him what he was feeling. Next, he gave the Father and told him his desires, what he wanted. But then the last thing that Jesus did was he completely surrendered his feelings and his desires to the will Of the Father. Now, that third thing that Jesus did is, I would argue, the hardest thing to do, right? We all live with our fists so tightly clenched around our lives that the thought of releasing and giving the Father control is terrifying. And so I just want to encourage you if in that last moment, You were wrestling with the Lord of, God, I don't want to submit to your will. I don't know if I trust you in that. I just want to encourage you and say, Jesus was the only person who ever surrendered to the Father's will perfectly. So for us, I wonder what it would look like if we went back to Psalm 23 and let God lead us down his paths of righteousness for us wonder what it would look like if we allowed God to walk with us even in the valleys and remind us that he is with us. And so I'd love for us to read this prayer together and it's not one that I can take credit for but it is one of the prayers that I have gone back to over and over and over again in this season as I've been trying to learn how to release that illusion of control over to God. So would you stand with me and let's read this aloud together. God of perfect love and sovereign direction, with you I lack nothing. I let go of my desire for security, affection, and control and embrace your will as it is. Amen. (music) Thank
3: <music> you.
5: moment we're going to be taking communion so if you didn't get one of these if you just raise your hand our ushers will get this to you uh, pretty quickly you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows I love a feast my love language is food if you love me give me food it's great when I think of Sabbath, I often think more of fasting than feasting, and by that I mean I think of doing without. I think of rest. I think of dialing back and stopping the activity and slowing down, and all of those are really important parts of Sabbath. Indeed, we get our our picture and our um, very institution of Sabbath is found in God's resting from his creative activity on the seventh day. And so we Sabbath because of God's example. But let me remind you that while God Sabbath at the end of his work week, that very first Sabbath day was actually the first day of life for humanity. And so humanity began their week Resting with God. They didn't need to rest. They hadn't done anything yet. It wasn't a lot of hard work to be created. Okay? So that tells me that there's more about Sabbath than the resting. There's more about Sabbath than the what I cut out of my life. There's something bigger and deeper and more that God is inviting us into than just physical rest. And this begins to show up more when we see uh, God's directions to the nation of Israel for when they made Sabbath the part of their worship and rhythm of life, they were to include a purposeful focusing on God during the day of rest. And a central part of the Sabbath was the family gathering around the table to sit around the table and to be reminded of the goodness of God and the value of belonging to him and to be his people. And that's where the psalmist brings us. You have prepared a table for me. You have set a feast and you invite me to come. We're gathered around this table that has been set for us by the good shepherd. And our only responsibility is to show up and eat. Isn't that a gift? You didn't have to prepare the meal. You didn't even have to set the table. It's all done. The good shepherd has prepared a table for us. And he says, come and dine. Come and feast with me. That is the invitation of Sabbath. I know when when we sat under the teaching uh, of Sabbath, some of us may have felt a little bit of an angst and going, you know, I'm not really good at dialing it back and resting and turning it down. I know I should, but I... Just let it go. This is not about this should and ought. It's about the invitation. You could. God would would invite you to come. And Sabbath is not about this burdensome. It's about this this opportunity to be with God and feast on his goodness. And when we do come and feast on the goodness of God, we become more aware of the abundance of, of his love and his care for us. And the psalmist said, it's like a cup that's just overflowing. He just keeps pouring, it just keeps overflowing, and there's no end to the feast. And when that happens, Sabbath becomes celebration. And I've discovered in my own life, whenever I'm able to to truly Sabbath with God, there's always celebration. you've been around much and you may have heard me talk about I have a large I come from a large family and I have a large family and so whenever we gather there's a very big table full of food and we feast and we celebrate I don't know what else we do well but the rains family knows how to feast and celebrate and that's the invitation of sabbath to the family of god so as we work on thinking how do I rhythm Sabbath in my life. let me just give you some practices. And whether this is a moment of Sabbath or maybe an hour of Sabbath, or maybe you can actually bring this rhythm into a full day of Sabbath for you, here are some things that will help. Number one, rest. Stop the normal activities, but not just for the sake of stopping them. Stop the normal activities and pause with purpose. Number two, refocus. Take all that stuff that's occupying your mind and focusing and grabbing your focus and set it aside. I promise you it'll be there later. You can come back and get it. And just take some time to say, I want to focus on God. Then reflect. Remember and recount the ways God has shown you his goodness. How was he good to you today? How was he good to you yesterday? This week, this month, this year. Speak to yourself of the goodness of God and His blessings. Rejoice in praise, in worship, in celebration, in play, in doing things that that enjoy the goodness of God that He's provided for you, and then renew. Ask God for a refreshing of your spirit, and ask Him, Lord, would you rekindle my vision of what life with you, is like. The church has been given a rhythm to follow through the centuries of coming to a table, the table of communion. So if you would go ahead and get the bread out and hold it in your hand, hold the cup in the other hand, and I invite you to come to the table with me. Jesus has set a feast of his goodness before us, and these two small things remind us of an abundance of goodness, a cup of goodness that is overflowing. And so we're invited to come to the table and feast on the goodness of God this morning. So would you stand with me? As we reflect on the goodness of God demonstrated in the death of Jesus for us, in gratitude we're going to take the bread and drink the cup and then We're going to celebrate. So the body of Christ broken for us. Thank you, Jesus. And the blood of Christ shed to cover our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Now let's celebrate.
0: to fade and never enough
6: Um, My name is Alex, and I am one of seven leaders for the upcoming 10th grade girls group. And Kira joined our cell group this last year, and I've had the privilege of being in her small group for discussion. And um, it's just been a really sweet time getting to hear Kira's story. And it has been such an encouragement to me because she's honest, and she doesn't shy away from the fact that she's walking through some really tough stuff. But she has said God has always been with her. Mm -hmm. Um, and And guys, Kira's story is not only a story of God's faithfulness and presence in her life, it's also the story of the power of a good friend and how the presence of a loving, faithful friend can mean the difference and show us a little bit more of who God is and his heart for us. And Kira has Macy, this is Macy, and Macy has walked alongside Kira through a lot of really tough stuff and has just been a good, compassionate, understanding ear when Kira needed someone just to listen and to be with her. And so I'm really glad Macy gets to stand up here with us today, too. So, Kira, on your day of baptism, I want to remind you of a couple of things that you have shared with me when you walked through the book of John, and I'm directly quoting you. Are you ready? hmm Some good stuff. Some good stuff. She says, there is a big difference between wanting to go to heaven and be like Jesus. He takes the small things and he makes them even greater. And he is always the calm in the storm. Kira, today I and all of us, we are really proud of you.
7: here i baptize you in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit buried with christ in baptism raised to walk in the- You all can be seated. Tiana, it takes a village. And if you're part of Tiana's village, would you just raise your hand for a second? We've got village members from Washington, D.C., from Tulsa, and Bentonville, Bella Vista, and all around today and it takes a village it takes having the right people at the right time in life it takes family but most importantly it takes God putting these pieces together and may everything work in, in, in his place plan it takes us trusting his plan Tiana, I'm sure glad God brought you into our lives and I'm certainly glad he put these great people with you on your journey. The Bible says to walk with the wise and become wise. You, my dear Tiana, have a true village of the wisest people. God could, could have given to anyone and he gave them to you. We are also proud of you, and we will be here for you." John 15:5 says, "I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing." John 158. This is, my father's, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Keep the peace of Jesus in your heart through the hard times and the good times and to continue to let his love shine through you. We all love you very much.
8: Tiana, I have just a couple of questions to ask you. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression, in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ opens to all people of all races and all nations and all backgrounds? Tiana, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that life will have its ups and its downs. On those days that's up, you're to come and share with this your family those good moments. Those days you're down. They're your strength. So don't forget, God says forsake not the coming and the fellowshipping together. So always remember whether you're sixteen or sixty one, God calls you to the church at all times. Amen. Amen.
1: I think they're trying to tell me it's time to be done. Uh, who planned this service anyway? I'm sorry, we're, we're running way over. I have one last section for you. Um, can you hang with me? Okay, that was a lot better than first service when we ran over. I think there were three people that were like, okay. Uh, hey, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. This anointing is the source of our loving with God. We love with God. And our love for God and others is simply a response to his great love for us. Everything that we've been enjoying this whole service, uh, it's experiencing his blessing that enables us to live lives of blessing. The spiritual rhythms of worship and service help us express and share the love of God. In worship, we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. That's Romans 12, 1, a choosing to live in response to who God is and what he's done. Simply put, we worship God when we love him back. We worship God when we love him back. And my favorite definition of love is to will the good of another, to will the good of another. and. In worship, we actually will the good of God. Now that may sound weird, but hang with me. Think about the Lord's Prayer. Actually, let's just recite it together, just the first part. I'll cut us off conductor style when we're done, all right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Nice job. On earth as it is in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done. We want to see you get what you want, God. We want your will in our lives, in our communities, in our church, in our city, in this world. Would you have your way? That's what we're praying for. We're willing the good of your will in this world. And the rest of the prayer goes on to... um, to ask God for the resources to live this kind of life that embodies the will and shows forth the glory of God. Um, so again, our worship is always a response to the love of God, always. And as we behold his character and nature, his works among us, and we experience his work in us, our hearts are filled And our desires are transformed and our lives begin to exalt Jesus, the good shepherd. So again, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. I love this song. We sang the first verse of it earlier in the service. We sing it to the tune of Come Thou Fount. We introduced it this series. Um, Marva Dawn wrote some incredible lyrics to this song. In the pastures of God's goodness, we lie down to rest our souls. From the waters of God's mercy, we drink deeply. And we're made whole. At the table of God's presence, all the saints are richly fed as we feast. And with the oil of God's anointing into service, we are led. In service, we learn to see and honor and care for the image of God and others. To love our neighbors as ourselves, we will the good of our neighbors when we seek to serve them out of the overflow of God's love in us. Serving God can become such a difficult yoke and a heavy burden if we see it as something that we do for him. But when we begin to see serving God as something that we do with him, it changes the game. It becomes much more of a life-giving invitation than a death-dealing burden. All right, the psalm ends with this verse. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Life with God is filled with goodness and love. and It's going to extend past our physical death. It's going to grow and blossom even beyond when our bodies give out. And the result of making Jesus the one to whom we look to for our security, for our provision and fulfillment, is a life abounding in the fruit of the Spirit, a life of ever-increasing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, that sounds like a good life. That's the life I want. So when we make Christ our good shepherd, it doesn't mean that bad things won't happen. Let's be real. But that's what I love about this psalm, is it's so realistic. We're gonna walk through dark valleys. We're gonna be threatened by evil. But the difference is, we don't walk through it alone. We walk through it with our shepherd, and he will show us Where the still waters are. And he'll lead us into the green pastures. And he'll show us the way we should go. And he'll quench our thirsty souls along the way. This is life with God. This is life without lack. So I invite you this morning. To turn to the good shepherd. And receive his anointing. Receive his blessing. And as we continue to yield our lives consciously to the good shepherd, God's grace gradually shapes us into the persons we long to be. So keep engaging in these spiritual rhythms. Don't let it just be a summer series that we went through. But keep engaging them. And and, uh, looking to Jesus as your teacher in the way of life. Jesus said, I am the way. The truth, and the life. You're not going to get to the abundant life if you're looking to a different shepherd. You can't find it. He's the way. So this is what I want to leave you with. Train with Jesus to live well. Train with Jesus to live well, friends. All right, as our practice and our benediction, I would like for you to stand with me Um, And I want to read a, a, a prayer of blessing over us as we leave. And receive this. May this day bring Sabbath rest to your heart and your home. May God's image in you be restored and your imagination in God be restored. I love that. May the gravity of material things be lightened and the relativity of time slow down. May you know grace to embrace your own finite smallness in the arms of God's infinite greatness. May God's word feed you and his spirit lead you into the week and the life to come. Amen. We love you. We have a prayer team that is always available. would love to pray with you. Go and walk with Jesus this week. Trust him. We love you.